Welcome to 7 Minutes in Book Heaven. My name is J. Peter Bogosian. I'm an essayist, Lambda Literary Fellow, and founder of the Queer Armenian Library. And this is the podcast where I interview LGBTQ authors about the new books they have coming out for us to love and to cuddle up with. This is part of our Summer of Book Love series. Every Tuesday for the rest of the summer, we have your next book to read at the beach or at the pool or in your bedroom next to the air conditioner. New episodes of This Queer Book Save My Life return on September 18th. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Gwen Bass to discuss her new book, Immaculate Misconception, A Story of Biology and Belonging. Hello, Gwen. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm really interested to know more about your book, and that's how our podcast works. I have seven questions for Dr. Gwen Bass, and we're going to spend the next seven minutes in this virtual studio talking about Immaculate Misconception, a story of biology and belonging. We're also getting to know more about the amazing writer who is Dr. Gwen Bass. So, Gwen, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to set the timer. And here we are. Question number one. Please describe immaculate misconception as if you're sharing it with your celebrity crush and telling us who that special person is, of course. All right. So, so much of the book is sort of like a nostalgic piece for me around like reliving my childhood. And to that end, I went with a celebrity of of my childhood. So Sandra Bullock, sort of the the practical (laughs) magic version of Sandra Bullock. (laughs) So she would have picked up my memoir. I would let her know that it's a story about my experience growing up. One of the first kids conceived through artificial insemination to lesbian parents. Um, In the book, I talk about my childhood, what it was like to be kind of the first of my kind, the kid version of what I think of as kind of like a medical miracle and a social science experiment. And I kind (laughs) of describe in the book how I came to make my own, you know, sense of my own gender expression and sexuality with the influence of kind of that clash of 1980s, 90, 1990s queer culture, and also in the socio-political context of the time, which was really chaotic and bizarre in a lot of ways. So each of the chapters in the book is organized um, into a question that I fielded as a kid. Things like, what do your parents do? Or do you have any siblings? Or where are you from? Which are questions that most people can answer really easily. But for me, my responses required some level of kind of backstory to explain them. You know, and while my story is about having queer parents before that was really a thing, and my experience kind of code switching between LGBTQ plus chosen family and the outside world, my hope is really that the insights I share about what it's like to feel other will be really relatable for folks with all kinds of unique identities. Wow. And did I hear that you were one of the first yeah, to my, to my knowledge, there are very few people, like maybe over the years I've met two or three who were conceived to lesbian parents at that time. And when my parents did it, wow. they found, basically found a doctor who just would, did it on the DL and was like, slip me some cash. I know a guy, wow. you know, there's no record of this if you ever want to come back to it. So I grew up my whole life, you know, believing that I would have no access to my paternal lineage. And that changed as I got older, which is what sort of inspired me to write the book. Absolutely. Oof. I cannot wait to read this. Um, Wow. Okay, question number two. What is a sentence from a novel, an essay, a poem, or other book that every time you read it, it gives you all the feels? Um, This one is from Rupi Kaur, which feels really a little cliche, but it's, I came all this way to give you all these things, but you aren't even looking. And this poem is from a collection about relationships, but to me, it really speaks to something deeper. And when I think about this book, and maybe it's because of my childhood sort of being born into this role 
which was ultimately like as an unwitting spokesperson for the queer family movement, there was a lot of pressure for me to step into the role of being a trailblazer or an advocate. And I think a lot about the misbless, that is sort of a mixed blessing and my own internal negotiation to see my conception as an opportunity and not just a burden. And that's something that I write about a lot in the book, but it's something I've obviously thought about in the process of writing the memoir. Like, you know, I was a very young kid speaking on panels to queer parents being like, you can do this. It's okay. Look at me. Wow. And, you know, or being in college classes, talking to sociology majors about like the influence of society on development. And simultaneously, you know, like I didn't choose any of that as a kid. And so for me, the book has really been about stepping back into that part of my identity and negotiating, you know, what we're given and how to see it for the opportunity that's available to us to kind of have a broader impact on the world or a positive one. That's a lot to carry at such a young age. And I can see why that line would be so resonant with you. Okay, question number three. What do you feel is the best sentence you've ever written? So in one of my chapters is titled, Are You a Boy or a Girl? And I write about how my name is sort of symbolic of my gender. My given name is Gwendolyn, but I go pretty much exclusively by Gwen. And so I'm going to break the rules and read you two sentences because I think otherwise it wouldn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So in this scene, I'm sort of, there was some medical history that we discovered about my donor that that required me to go get these medical tests. In this scene, I've been met by the receptionist at the doctor's office, and I sort of talk about my experience of interacting with that person around my name as some as as you know in ways that I often have to where people sort of look at me and they go like you can't possibly be Gwendolyn <laughs> you have to be Gwen that can't possibly <sighs> Gwen Gwen must be the way that you are referred to so it is all those Gwendolyns had been sitting in their imaginations since childhood the picture perfect incarnation of femininity we Gwens are the more practical and unique type my uncommon name the perfect complement to my atypical upbringing and unconventional appearance Wow. Mm. Mm. I really can't wait to read your book. This is just, thank you. Thank you for writing it and sharing it with us. Seriously. Okay, question number four. (laughs) What a segue. Uh, hmm. What's the best romantic scene you've ever read? Um, So this is like really hard for me because I'm a total nerd and I mostly read nonfiction. So I'll go with the book that I recently read at the recommendation of my daughter after we had watched the Heartstopper series on Netflix together. She was like, you have to go back and and read the book. I was like, okay. But there's this scene where they like finally kiss and Charlie has to stand on his toes to kind of like reach Nick. And there's just like something so universally vulnerable and awkward and like earnest about that whole scene which I think is so like relatable across identities. And mostly I'm just like really obsessed with how many amazing books and stories there are for kids to read now that encourage right. them to like explore their genders and their sexualities, like stuff I never could have imagined as a kid. So for me, that was like, it's like, you know, I'm also at an age where my kids are entering adolescence and pre-adolescence. So I'm like, oh my God, you get to like have your own little romantic experiences, you know? It's like right. really sweet to think about. Yeah. YA Lit right now is, in my opinion, the most revolutionary yeah. work that's happening. It's just, it blows my mind. Uh, and I, I'm slightly jealous about it. Right? <laughs> kind of like, wait, what? Why? Mm, anyway, um, not about me today. So question number five, what are your favorite smells to write about? So I've come to like into this process of creative writing really recently just through writing this memoir, which I didn't even set out to write as a memoir. Originally, I thought I was going to write a different book entirely, and it just sort of turned into this. 
But I'll say that like one of my goals into the in the book was really to step into my own childhood shoes and try to speak from that perspective of a kid in the 80s and 90s. And so maybe the most fun aspect for me of writing this book was reliving in a way those decades through childlike eyes. And because of that, I think I'd say that like writing about nostalgic sense, like things like that I talk about in the book, like the smell of a new Cabbage Patch doll or like rainbow stripe <sighs> gum or Mr. Sketch markers or like you know, those toys you'd get in your Happy Meals, like before we knew that plasticizers were like a bad thing, you know, like (laughs) they used to be so symbolic of like something like really new and fresh. And to think about them as like vintage now is just really, is really funny for me. So that, that would probably be the most fun. You're reminding me of so many smells of my childhood. Those, the Happy Meals, the Cabbage Patch dolls, which I had to get like on the DL because they weren't for boys. Right. Um, Oh God, now you got me thinking. Oh, I want a Happy Meal now. Okay, so (laughs) question (laughs) number six. What's the worst writing advice you've ever got? So I come from a really academic background. Like I did a lot of school and the writing in academia is super filled with jargon and big words and it's like totally inaccessible, which is one of the reasons that I spent my career really working to kind of bridge theory and practice and like translate things in ways that people could actually understand. Um, So I guess one of the worst pieces of advice in the context of writing a memoir that I've ever, you know, received that I had to kind of undo in this process was not to use the word I. (laughs) And it made the process of, you know, like when you write like academically, you don't use the word I, right? You always refer to things in the third person. And so for me, the process of writing a memoir, which is already a little cringy, because you're like writing about yourself from a from a from like a literature perspective or a grammar perspective, I was constantly being like, can I talk? Can I say this many things about me? Like, is that okay? Like, I feel like this is bad writing. <laughs> so rather than like kind of commenting or like having, you know, having have the book be like a commentary on my own development or experiences, it was an exercise. Like it was it was a piece of writing advice that I really had to undo to kind of focus more on like what was it actually what was actually happening and think about it more as like a storytelling perspective. That is a tricky transition to make because um, yep. academic writing, its own style. Totally different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Question number seven. Promote yourself. How do we order your book? How do we follow you on social? So my book is available on Amazon in ebook and paperback form. You can also get it from most independent booksellers. Um, You can follow me on social media at at DR Gwen Bass. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of those things and um, there's been some book news and I also talk about some of the other work that I do with queer families and I work a lot with foster and adoptive families so that's where you can find me perfect well that's all the time that we have today thank you so much Gwen for being here thanks so much for having me well thanks everyone for listening today this podcast is executive produced by Jim Pounds our associate producers are Archie Arnold, Natalie Cruz, Paul Kafer, Nicole Olilla, Joe Perrazzo, Bill Shea, and Sean Smith. Visit our bookshop to buy the books featured on our podcasts, as well as to browse new collections specifically curated by yours truly. Check it out at thisqueerbook.com bookshop. On social media, we're at This Queer Book on Facebook and Instagram. I'm also at JP underscore Derbogosian on TikTok where I talk about LGBTQ books and be here next Tuesday as our Summer of Book Love series continues. Until then, see you queers and allies in the bookstores.